the, to the very last 2017 edition of Everything Be a Podcast podcast. People still coming in. Come on in, brother. Hello, how are you guys? How are you doing? Good. Very good. I like your tone. Very concise, yet threatening. Um, you guys have a great Sunday vibe. I really appreciate it. Because yesterday was Saturday. Were you guys here for Saturday at the Ember Festival? Yeah. Sir, you were right to shake your head. Not the time to come to this oh, festival. Yeah. Come on Sunday. The performers yeah. are happy. People are nice. Come on in, brother. Show has not started yet. This is just the, the beginning times. Take a seat anywhere. Very confused. Bandana on each hand. I like it. Keep coming in. Very good. Keep marching in. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Well, yeah. Thank you very much, brother. See? No, you don't want this room. Most comedians want a sold-out show. Not me. Because this room goes from playable to it's like you're in the middle of the sun. And you guys are a great crowd. And then you were here at another show that was incredibly hot. Yes. Do you remember how that was? Where it was me trying to be funny and everyone going... Um, so yesterday was Saturday, and the Ember Festival goes from being a fun, cool, experimental arts festival where people are trying things and audiences are receptive, to just a bag of shitheads come to bully me. And I, I hate... There's a new... There was a new type of bully in the adult world and I'm, I'm done with them. They can fuck off. I'm a 32-year-old man, I'm officially an adult, and I would like them eradicated in a Holocaust-style genocide that I will oversee with an efficiency that is not in my personality. Uh, I, I, I know I look like Hitler's wet dream, but I don't prescribe to most of his ideas. Mostly I just liked his boots. Good. Um, say what you will about the Nazis. Snappy dressers. Especially compared to the British military at the time, red coats, come on, guys. Oh, historical, accurate crowd. Wouldn't expect that from you, sir, wearing a beanie that is daredevil themed. Is that a daredevil beanie? Fucking good on you, brother. How is the Defenders? Is it worth my time? You haven't watched it yet? Yeah, I've sat through an, an hour of Iron Fist and I wanted to throw my computer against a wall. Yeah, fuck Iron Fist indeed. It was fucking... Why the fuck would you make an Iron Fist fucking series and not a Moon Knight series? Moon Knight has so much more. He has alcoholism. He gets beaten up by his wife. It's fascinating. Yeah, exactly right. It's weird that you would own up to that, but I like that you are a... And then Iron Fist is one of the most uninteresting 1980s cocaine-fueled Marvel comic book characters. Basically, he can punch you hard. Ooh! You got the Hulk, mate. He can punch everyone hard. It's uninteresting. Now, um, so yesterday was Saturday, and I do another show. This is a, a, a fuck around, make it up, record for a podcast, release it, have some fun, try and make you guys laugh. But then I do another show that I work hard all year on, crafting each joke specifically to appeal to... Come on in, brother. See? Almost full up. Now, how many of them are you? Two. You may come in. Anything more? Where would you like to sit? There's two seats there or two? No, 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 no. You fucking sit the fuck down now. Pardon me, what? Who's going to hit someone then? But you can sit right there. Yeah, be cool, bro. It's Sunday. You're cool. Um, so I do another show that's uh, like a very prepared stand-up show, a very different vibe to This Is Very Loose. We'll have a chat. It's very nice. I've already ranted about Iron Fist to the chagrin of some of you and the delight of others. My hour show last night, there was a married couple, middle 40s, and they have that 
there's an entitlement that is very British, which is you're not doing what I've decided you should do. Therefore, you're wrong, and you can go fuck yourself. And I, I'm a Canadian. We are very go- we are go along to the detriment of our nation. Our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who a lot of you find to be a very attractive, charismatic internet personality, is a bag of shit. Canada is one of the biggest polluters in the world. Didn't know- come on in. I'm just ranting against my government. It'll get funny in a second. We were just waiting for you. <laughs> Uh, you guys can sit here or you can sit separately there. What do you want? You want to sit together? Very good. May I say, sir, a dangly earring doesn't work for everyone, but for you, you're pulling it off like a son of a bitch. What is your name? Graham. Graham? Yes. Very good. Pardon me? I'm not going to mock you too much, Graham. I wouldn't do that. It would be a long hour. What do you do for a living, Graham? I'm going to guess music promoter, art gallery owner, or dude with a loft and money that you don't ask where it comes from. (laughs) What do you actually do? Uh, I manage things for people who have disabilities. You manage things for people with disabilities? What a noble thing most people wouldn't attempt to mock. Leslie. Thank you for saying laughing even though I said lustily and not luckily. Um, I have a very good friend, my friend Tim Renko. He's an amazing comedian. Now, he has very severe cerebral palsy. And Tim has another problem, which is Tim is a prick. And it has nothing to do with his disability. He's just a bit of an ass. And that's very troublesome when you're hanging out with him and he uses his disability to make you look like a cunt. So you'll be on a bus. See how you're laughing? I assume this is something he's told me that a lot of disabled people do because they think it's really funny to see able-bodied people get really awkward when he spouts off about racism and they don't know what to do. So you'll be on a bus with Tim and someone very condescendingly will talk to me and not him and they'll go, it is so nice of you to take care of him. And then he will yell, he rapes me. And so... (laughs) And you just stood there going, what the f-? And you just go, no, I don't, which is what a rapist would say. <laughs> and it's fucking, it's mind-bending. It's amazing. I, 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 my friendship with him has been very educational on the, the needless, the over-pity people give disabled people. Have you noticed this? Is, it's, 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 the, it's, t- it's that sweetness that hurts your teeth. Like, you're just like... Because because he has cerebral palsy, his mind is fine. He's just physically a disaster. And f- I'm his friend, and he's given me permission to say that. If he was here, he'd be calling me a rapist and asking all of you if you think I have cancer. He thinks I, has ca- I have cancer. He has a BBC3 show, and he wrote a character in it that was a racist man dying of cancer that was so racist no one felt bad about it. And the BBC pedophile cover-uppers said that's too far for our network. Anyway, that's where I lost you. I'll win you back. Watch me do it. And <laughs> and, uh, and so people think that he's mentally disabled and they're not and he'll really play into that. For example, he doesn't pay for the tube because they just assume he he's wandered down there and so he'll just stand there looking confused and then they'll let him in and then he'll laugh in their face and slowly walk away. <laughs> And, they do, and they're like, well, what do we do here? And I've told him, I was like, and I've done it with him where he's gotten on a bus and just kept walking. And I've said, you know, he has money. He's just done that because he doesn't want to pay. And then they look at me like I'm the prick, even though I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> he's just taking advantage of their judgment. Oh, it's fucking annoying. It's weird. And how long have you worked with disabled people? 20 years. 20 years. And have you felt that the, the treatment of that community has gotten better in 20 years or gotten worse? It has gotten better. I really appreciate it. You know, time was. I'm I'm 32. So I remember 
pre like some of you don't aren't aware of this, but homophobia was great and powerful until like 2005. Maybe not so much in Europe, but in Canada, <laughs> it was a it was a synonym for being stupid until 2006, and then we finally got the message, and it still very much happens. We talk a lot about how bad the world is. It's bad, but we are making some amazing progress, and I am proud of it. That said, there are still assholes, and what was in my show last night? You thought we were done with that jag. We were not. Now, so I do a, another hour show that's more consistently funny than this, but not nearly as loose and improvised. And there was a couple, much like you guys, I assume you are a long-term couple. How long have you been together? A year. The basis is that they're old, and I just judged that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, have you guys ever been married before? Yes. Yeah. Second marriage after the relationship after the marriage. No, is this? No, I'm saying is this a relationship after the marriage? Yeah, good. Because if not, this is being recorded, and your wife would be very upset. (laughs) Um, What is it like dating after a marriage? That is that weird? That's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone says that. And how long were you married before? Uh, about 18 years. About 18 years? How old are you? Uh, quite old, yeah. You said it was old. No, but how old? Because I would guess like you're 41. 50. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> and where are you from? Glasgow. Jesus, mate. What the fuck do you put on your skin? Because people from your town age rapidly. <laughs> like there are babies with gray hair. <laughs> 51 good for you it's because you lead a noble life and it hasn't aged you (laughs) and and how old are you miss 51 51. age appropriate dating too well played sir because it's always creepy when someone shows up with someone you think is their daughter and it is not and then you're like oh i feel weird now (laughs) a friend of mine is dating very much yes i actually really want to know what she puts on her face let's find out what what do you yeah, because you're 51. How the fuck are you 51? <laughs> fucking great fucking point. Yeah, let's find out because yeah. how, what, what do you do here to make yourself not look 51? Just good moisturizer? Just good moisturizer. Yeah, but what is good moisturizer? Uh, are we like creme de la mer? Like, what are we no. talking? Yeah, fucking, you are the best. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know the name of moisturizer. I just go with whatever's on discount and I lather myself on it. Pond's cream. Pond's cream? And just how, like, how thick are we talking about? Quite a thick layer. And do you sit there and let it dry, or do you then dab it off with a towel? You dab it around. uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't. Come on, in, brother. We're discussing moisturizer, so definitely come get slippery. You're lost. I've had weirder heckles in my time, but not much weirder. Come on in. I'm lost, and he just leaves. So it was a, uh, it was a couple unlike you guys, happy, very much enjoying your relationship, having a nice time. You're loose and here to be part of an arts festival, so it's not something you necessarily expected, but you're just going to roll with it and have a nice time. Like, I don't think you expected to be quizzed by no. two strangers about what you put on your face. You can come in. You just have to tell us what you put on your face. And she's gone. She probably did. And the problem with this festival, sometimes that's accurate and you feel like an asshole because you're like, no, you do speak English. And then they're like, they speak their language. I was about to do a very racist impression of a Chinese person. 
here's the thing with ironic racism. It's very bad, but I will laugh at it if I am alone and know there's no recording devices on. And I know you're all judging me going, I've never done that. Stop lying to me. Now, <laughs> I, um, so a couple very much unlike you guys. You guys are happy buoyed spirits. It was two Irish people. I don't know if they were Republic or Northern Irish, but they did have that lilty Irish tone where it sounds like they're judging you, but you don't know why. And the guy was named Marcus. Now, I probably shouldn't use his real name, but fuck him. I'm hoping he's dead. And <laughs> Now, here's the thing with um, hecklers. I've been a comedian for 11 years. I have a face that people do tend to be aggressive with because if you're a shorter stature and you have a bit of a Napoleon complex, they think if you can get one over on me, you can tell that story. Now, I will not fight you, but I pay a lot of money to be in venues with security and they will fucking fight you. <laughs> Do you know who the use of security guards are? Do you know who they employ? It's Glasgow prison guards that take the month off and come here. So if any of you are thinking of getting drunk and squaring off, Please let me know first, because they are, uh, I host late in live sometimes, and on Thursday night we had our very first square off. I've never seen security ever had to get physical with an audience member, and this guy Callum, who looks like nothing, like he is, he's a bit bulkier than you, you know what I'm saying? Like he's a small, slighter guy, and this guy squared off with him, put his fists up, and I just saw out of the corner of my eye, and like the breeze, Callum just had him by his arms folded like this, booted a door, and then just dropped him on the ground, turned to me, thumbs up and then walked out <laughs> and and I was like Callum were you ever nervous and he was like yeah I was worried I was gonna hurt him and I was like I've never been worried about hurting anyone in my life <laughs> physically emotionally oh I will destroy you now so Marcus is on one side now there's a couple of indications with people that you can always tell one of the big ones is if someone is texting and when you ask them not to text instead of acting apologetic because they've broken a social rule they will slough you off because they don't view you as being as important of them and so they are engaging with someone they view as important when I told him hey why are you texting he gave me a thumbs up and said don't worry about it and I wanted to smash his phone and what he was doing was he was texting with his friends to come in now he was joined by his wife and his friend Dave who sat on this side it's a three-tiered room Marcus is on that side He's on this side. Hey, brother, how are you doing? Come on in. Do you speak English? Very good. It's Sunday, so it's weird you're speaking English. Also, what do you put on your face? Do you actually? Is that? Are you, are you fucking with me or are you being honest? Only on Wednesdays. I think you're. I think you're fucking with me. But still, if you'd been here earlier, you would have understood that's a very on-topic conversazione. <laughs> um, so, uh, so they arrive late, and unlike, what is your name, brother? Angus. Angus. Unlike Angus, who's come in ready to enjoy the show, he sat down. He's engaged. They come in upset that a show that is supposed to start at 9.15 has started on time because they think they're very important. Why? Because we're in mortgage debt and we have jobs in HR, so don't fuck with us. Oh, I'll fuck with you. Now, <laughs> Marcus kept, chi kept chining up to the point that that show was delayed. I couldn't get through the material that I wanted to get through. Unlike this one that's very improvised, so if, you know, one of you is a dick, we can deal with that. And I'll be like Iron Fist, but only of the soul in that I'm, I'll be boring, but eventually you'll leave and everyone will be happy 
for it. So um, he keeps chiming up. I have to keep stopping him. Now, I'm very good at dealing with hecklers. It's part of being a comedian. It's not something I enjoy. I don't like that heckling has become part of what I do for a living. It's revered. You read any comedian interview and they'll be like, what's the best heckler you've ever seen? And I would like to say, there are no good hecklers. That's inter- that's rude and interruptive. You never go to the opera and stand up and be like, yo, fat bitch, what's with the horns on your head, slut? Ha ha. It's a weird thing to walk into. I'm very sorry. You have to understand that there was context to that. What show are you looking for? Oh, well, for the German guy's show. The German guy's show. Now, you would think I'm the German guy based on my appearance. I am not. I'm a Canadian man with Scottish and Swedish roots. Uh, the German guy is downstairs. Uh, so you go down the stairs and then down the stairs again. Yeah, get the fuck out, Angus. Yeah. Go put seaweed on your face somewhere else, motherfucker. We are a palms crowd. I'm glad he's gone. Hope he fell down the stairs. So, again, Angus, he's in the wrong show. Did he make a big deal of leaving? Did he blame me for being in the wrong show? No, he politely just got up and left and shared a nice sly smile so that we could all laugh at that and the energy could continue to be buoyed. Marcus and his wife and his friend Dave were not like that. Now, he keeps interrupting, he keeps interrupting. At a certain point, he just says uh, something very rude. Oh, there's other women whispering up here. Now, I fucking hate that because people in shows don't whisper like a quick, like, what they'll do is they want to make sure that the other person hears them and they don't understand because they're hearing someone else talking they actually speak in a slightly louder voice but they do it very slowly so everyone fucking hears it and it distracts from the jokes people have paid to hear and I told two lady to stop talking it was very rude and then they said something about oh sorry we just needed to make sure we'd make the other show and then Marcus chimed up and went oh you probably want to go to another show because this show's shit now I agree bullshit so I said Marcus shut the fuck up fuck you I'll stop being fun and making a part of the show and now I'm just trying to make you uncomfortable with loud words and I'm a big guy I won't hit you but I will get very close to you and say very mean things and then he said I fucked your sister now I said I don't have a sister but I fucked your mom and then he grabbed an old woman who was next to him that I thought was his mom and he went you fucked her and I went yeah that's why she came to the show it was very clever more on that in a second now then his wife pipes up. Now what has happened is she has become embarrassed by the interaction. She does not like what has happened. Not understanding that the interaction was caused by her husband and I'm simply doing my job of trying to control a show that people have paid money for. He then says, I fucked your mom. Now a trick when someone says, I fucked your mom, is you say, ha ha, she's dead. And then when everyone's uncomfortable you say, no she's not. And that happened. People laughed at the sort of cherubness of it all. Then she said, how dare you say that about your mom? And I said, you don't know her. Maybe she's a real bad person and then thank you three people the rest of you it's funny fuck you and I've said it in front of my mom and she thinks it's funny too then and she's not a bad person she's a fucking saint and I love her with my entire heart and it does make me feel bad that I've written that down and use it but you know what any port in a storm in certain situations she begins lecturing me on parental uh, issues and control. And I say, if you want to make the show about you, I will make it about you, but you will become very uncomfortable. And she says, don't you talk to me. And I said, I'm the one with the microphone. You paid money to hear me talk. That's what stand-up comedy is. She said something incredibly condescending. And I'm done. 
I'm done. There's, it was a full house. There was 50 other people that paid to see me or saw a flyer and thought, oh, he's wearing pants and nothing else. This will be fun. <laughs> and so I said, you know what, miss? Get the fuck out. Now, I knew what was going to happen. I've ejected people from shows before. It's one of my skills. And here's how it always goes. They say, there's two types. One type will go, I'm not leaving. What are you going to do? And then the tech will go call security. And then they will immediately leave realizing that it's now true and out of their control. And they don't want to have that story on their head. The other way it goes is you can't make me leave. Security calls and they still won't leave. And then security just badgers them until they get up and leave. That happened last year. It was really fun for me. 13 people ejected out of my show with the entire awards panel and three reviewers in as I'm laying on the table watching a man from Glasgow lean in with a neck tattoo. All right, pal, here's what we're going to do. You're going to leave or we're going to stay and there'll be a very different show. <laughs> and that is a direct quote and I've never wanted my show not to go ahead and I wanted to see that show. Which <laughs> Just a man with a Black Sabbath tattoo on his forearm beating the fuck out of some dick from Reading. <laughs> anyway, so uh, as soon as she sees that security's coming, she stands up and going, well, I'm leaving. And, uh, and then as she's walking, uh, she said, what are you going to do about that? And I said, nothing. I already have your money. And then her husband waited a while, by the way. She, he didn't stand up right away. After about 45, 50 seconds, he stood up and left. And then about a minute later, as I was just looking at his friend Dave, he stood up and I went, see you, Dave. And Dave went, I actually enjoyed it. And then they walked out. <laughs> and like a magic trick, suddenly the vibe in the room was better. Everyone was happy because there was negativity removed. When you're in the front row of a comedy show, this room is nice because you guys up front are enjoying it. You're nodding along. If you weren't enjoying it, they would not be laughing as much because there's a certain cue of they're looking at you going, why aren't they enjoying it? And they'd be removed from the performance. Also, it's very nice because you both have lovely skin and we're all wondering. <laughs> there has to be a secret. So as soon as they left, I then asked my tech what time it was. The show starts at 9.15. It's one hour long and it was 10 past 10. So we had five minutes to get ha through half an hour of material. A real trick, I gotta tell you. So I had to cut the uh, show short. Uh, and the thing with stand-up is there's certain things that are referenced. So you have to remember to do certain jokes so other jokes work. And if you don't do that, then it gets to be a real problem. I was moving as quickly as I can. So I dropped some original jokes and then called them back. And let me tell you, I don't know if you've ever been in an awkward situation right after a real tense one, but that's what it was. But we got to the end of the show. The crowd was really happy. As I walk out, Darren, my venue manager, Darren, he's like a tiny gay Glaswegian who is not good at conflict. And he marches up to me and goes, John, John, she's outside and I think she wants to talk to you. And I was just like, all right, if she can stop me from walking out of the venue and out onto the street, I will talk to her. And by talk, I mean she will yell at me and accuse me of being a misogynist. I will point out that the show was recorded and if she has a problem, we can go get security and we will discuss it. And also, by the way, we have your name and credit card information. So if you really want to make this a problem, we can because I'm a big enough of an idiot to start using using people's full names on social media. That's none of that is true, by the way. I would have felt really bad if she yelled at me. I would have meekly took it, and then I would have walked away and been very sad because I'm not someone who's good with confrontation, quite frankly. It makes me feel very bad, but she was a prick, and that's fine. As I walk out, something beautiful happened. The audience, who had stayed, 
remained. And I could see her out of the corner of my eye take a step forward. And she, I heard her say to her husband, there he is. And the whole audience just surrounded me and went, thank you very much. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And I didn't see them, but I assumed they then just walked away, defeated by positivity. And as I walked into the night, um, I saw Dave just waiting for a cue. And he gave me one of those, I was with a friend who was embarrassing nods, just that, sorry. And I gave him a, it's okay, Dave. And then I... <laughs> And then I went to Late and Live where a mechanical engineer tried to steal a monitor off the stage, which, in terms of theft, I respect the ballsiness of it all. <laughs> but it really shows that Saturday night at this festival is a son of a fucking bitch, isn't it? Who tries to steal a monitor? And he was on a works do. <laughs> he was there with his employer just unhooking the wire of an expensive... Sp- what are you going to do? Just hide it under your coat? What's up, buddy? How are you? What show are you looking for? Come on in. <laughs> nope, you have to come in. It's ominous, and you just stood by the door. Sit uh, wherever you'd like, very nice. Taking Angus's seat. Now, a <laughs> couple of quick questions. What do you use on your face? Um, um. It's not a dirty question, it's just an actual question. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Oh, okay, quick Go with pawns. Don't tell him how to answer. <laughs> Do you, do you use soap? <laughs> that, that delay fills me with concern, my man. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that stuff that makes you clean. <laughs> what is your name, brother? Do you understand on a Saturday he'd be calling me a prick and on a Sunday he's taking perfect comedic pauses <laughs> to build the tension. What is your name, brother? Rapos. Rapos. Beautiful name. And where are you from? Lithuania. Lithuania. I thought I had been there, but I, I hadn't been. I'd been to Latvia and I got confused. <laughs> and, uh, and what brings you to the fringe all the way from Lithuania? You live in Britain. What are you doing here in Britain? Uh, you're wa- you studied in Edinburgh, and now you're here. Now you're in Leeds. Ah, very good. What a city, huh? It was like God's uh, answer to the question, how many roundabouts does one town need? For those of you who've never driven in Leeds, good for you. And if you have driven in Leeds, then you know what it's like to feel like a tumor is growing in your mind. It makes no sense. Oh, would you like to leave Leeds? Well, that will take you 45 minutes, and you will see the entire city for no reason. (laughs) Um, And what do you do in Leeds? I work as an acoustic consultant. You work as an acoustic consultant? What is that? I know you would. It's a very strange-sounding job. That would be like if I was a, what are you? Oh, I'm a humor encourager. So, do, so, is, so is it within music and stuff like that, or is it within buildings to make sure that rooms sound appropriate for meetings and stuff like that? It's more like that those roundabouts would, have, uh, would not have enough, well, not have too much of noise. Oh, shit. So you're the guy actually being like, no, you can't put a motorway here because it will disturb this neighborhood? That's fascinating, because I did not think that was a concern in Britain based on the fact that you guys... <laughs> all drive like you just robbed a bank. (laughs) 
the surface road speed in certain parts of London is 50 miles an hour. What the fuck are you doing? That's 80 kilometers. What? Why? You don't. You don't need to get there that quickly. In. In Canada, we have something called a school zone. You can't go more than 20 kilometers an hour around a school. In Britain, it's basically like, now nah, if you kill a kid, he shouldn't have been on the road. <laughs> like, and it's, and I, I, I bicycle in London. I don't know, who here is a Londoner? Yeah, yeah very good, very, you've learned in Scotland, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And do you, have you ever cycled in London? Briefly, you got to do it, brother. It's like kissing the devil on the mouth. <laughs> it's, it's fucking terrifying, but it's a hoot and a half. It's actually, once you get used to it, it's actually a lot not, it's a lot less scary than you think it would be. You just need to get yourself the right bicycle. The problem is a lot of people, I, I've bicycled in cities my entire life, and you have to actually get a proper heavy bicycle with big wheels that allows you, that has a little bit of a dynamic turning system so you know exactly how you can weave in and out, but it's not these tiny racing bikes. So you can't have a bike that's built for speed on a city road because all that's going to happen is you're going to get up to speed and then be hit by a bus. <laughs> you need something that can stop quickly, that's heavy, and if you're on a fucking Bixie, fuck off. The Boris bikes, those people, it's tourists that are essentially driving a tank in London that don't know that they're going the wrong way up a road and don't know that you're supposed to cycle with the buses. And everyone gets intimidated by that. It's great. The buses are your friends. They want you to get around them. It's perfect. The only part that is scary is Trafalgar Square at 6 p.m. is <laughs> That is like drinking with a shotgun in the room. So... Yeah, for those of you who don't know Trafalgar Square, it's a, it's a big giant roundabout that's just jammed full of lorries and old tourists and not dynamic out there, spot, old walkers confused, think they're in Paris, weeping sores on their legs. <laughs> And uh, basically, one day, I was coming through, and I had the right-of-way, and there was a truck coming this way, and I could see that the light is going to change. He's not going to stop. He's going to end up where I would have to stop for this light, and the only way I can do it is run a red light here and have to skirt around an old woman who's jumping the light and going through the pedestrian walkway. Now, if I don't do that, I'm dead. If I do do it, and I do it at all improperly, I'm going to kill that old woman. And I also see, as I'm about making it, and I literally go behind her. She doesn't notice. She just will feel the back of me and I see that I literally right there are just two bobbies watching me do it and I'm like I'm gonna get fucking ticketed for this like you wouldn't believe and I go by them and they both give me a nod and they're like we get it good luck <laughs> it's fucking it's fucking awesome I uh, I bike with a helmet I had to order a helmet off the internet because my head is so massive they don't put them in shops <laughs> Uh, I before was wearing a regular bicycle helmet and I went into a, a bike shop to get my bike repaired because bikes you'd think that they're just easy peasy but they fall apart all the time especially if you ride them hard in a place like London where all the wires get gunk on them so I walked in wearing my helmet and the bicycle mechanic bicycle mechanics are kind of like the barista of machines <laughs> condescending but about something that no one gives a fuck about <laughs> like any of you here play music any of you here play music do you play music you've gone into a music shop those people that's what a bicycle mechanic is just oh what you use a pine reed for your bassoon I didn't know you were a fucking idiot <laughs> thank you fat guy fuck you you butter covered prick anyway so I go into this uh, this bike shop oh we gotta walk out I guess 
Well, you, there's a cup underneath his seat. I would like to see some shiny coins, you fucking cheapskates. <laughs> no, underneath his chair right there. Underneath right there. Very good. I like that I've guilted you into that, but that lady has escaped. <laughs> oh, we'll wait. <laughs> I feel really bad about that. You have a very sweet face. Thank you, brother. I thought it was a good show as well. Enjoy. What show are you going to see? You do a podcast as well? What's your podcast called? You're editing it? My name is John Hastings. It's called Anything Can Be a... Po- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the flyer. <laughs> what a kind man. You guys disagree. <laughs> we should start the show, shouldn't we? I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. Do you understand podcasting is basically turned into community access television in the 90s where every fuck, my mom has a podcast. I make, what a great reaction to that. You're, you're lying. Yeah, I was, but still, some of this is fake. Now, uh, what is your name, miss? Jack. Jack. And where are you from, Jack? Um, the States, but I lived in London for 10 years, and now I live here. You live in Edinburgh, yeah. so States. How long have you been, in t- and you've been in Britain, Europe for 10 years? 11. 11. Yeah. And uh, and how do you like it compared to North America? It's fucking weird, right? It is. Yeah, it's pretty fucking bizarre. Like, they just have no rules for certain things and then so many regulations for other things. <laughs> so many budgets for, like, everything. Oh, yeah. Because you've been here 11 years and they act like Europe didn't produce fascism. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. America, ridiculous. Like, who had a fucking empire, assholes? Yeah. Yeah, technically America also has an empire, but you guys are smart enough to not actually make it an empire. They're just protectorate states. <laughs> That's right. I watch John Oliver. Usually the sound's off, but I get the gist. Now, <laughs> and what part of the states are you from? Um, like I was born in San Francisco, but mostly Baltimore. Mostly Baltimore. San Francisco to Baltimore? Military. Ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you, going from San Francisco to Baltimore, it's kind of like going from Brighton to Dumfries. <laughs> It is a sick joke, but it's fucking accurate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Francisco really fucking did not live up to what I was expecting. I went in 2011 for a comedy competition. Now, I'm a big fan of counterculture nonsense, and I love the idea of San Francisco, and it's an amazing place, and has some amazingly cool history. First city to elect an openly gay politician. Um, amazing punk rock came out of there. It's fucking cool. You go there now, and it is not that. It is people getting on a Google... It is white people at their whitest worst. Just you... <laughs> Excuse me, this coffee, it, it's bitter in a way that I do not care for. Like, it, it's just, it, 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 yeah, it costs everything's fucking expensive and they won't explain why. And they have, complain about the transit system in Edinburgh all you want. San Francisco has three different companies using three different trains. So you're on a train and then you have to go buy another ticket to get on another train to get to another part of the city. And it's all carpeted. And that's the most egregious thing I've ever seen in my life. Who the fuck builds a mass transit system and goes, we need an absorbent fabric on the floor. <laughs> so, oh yeah, it was fucking weird. The weirdest thing, have you been back to San Fran recently? Uh, no. Okay, they are doing something now that when I tell you, you guys are going to be uncomfortable in its awkwardness. So San Francisco is the perfect temperate climate for homeless people. It is never, you're never going to die. You'll always be relatively warm. There's enough places to rock around, and there's enough sort of programs that you will slowly survive. You may not necessarily be taken care of, but it happens. Canada, Britain, we have winters. No one talks about it, but that does assist with the homeless population. (laughs) 
Thank you for going with me on that joke. Is in Canada, Canada, the idea of a homeless person technically doesn't exist in Canada. They have to specifically provide housing that every homeless person in a city could have access to if they wanted it because there was winters and winter will fucking kill you. Getting them in is very difficult. So what the police actually do is there's a law. You're not allowed legally to be homeless. And the reason why they have that is so that they can arrest them and put them in the houses when it's 45 degrees below zero. To describe that, imagine you walked out of your house and someone didn't stab you into your eternal organs, but all over your skin, just a thousand needles for 10 seconds. And then that memory stays with you for the rest of the day. That's what it's like. So it's fucking dangerous. San Francisco doesn't have that problem, but it has a lot of very wealthy people paying far too much to live in San Francisco and then commute to the Bay Area to work at Google. And they don't want to step over someone who has harsher circumstances and a mental illness problem so to make sure that there's no homeless people on the streets at six o'clock in the morning the fire department drives through the city center and sprays down the streets so they wake them up and they move on it is the creepiest thing i've ever seen in my entire life because they don't tell you i was there i was driving we were driving up to oregon for a gig and i was just stood there sipping an eight dollar coffee holding a croissant that was both vegan and yet still had cream in it how they did that i'll never fucking know and And I'm just stood there, and then a bunch of fire trucks pull up, hook up hoses, and I'm like, I don't see a fire. And they just start spraying down the streets like a stereotypical Italian man washing a sidewalk. That is a joke that only works in Toronto. Toronto has a lot, very large uh, uh, Italian immigrant population, and how you know someone is Italian, first generation is for some reason, they will spray the sidewalk in front of their house so it's clean, but they won't do it on either side. So just be walking down, and it'll be a man in sort of an undershirt and pants eating a sandwich and just spraying concrete in the middle of winter not understanding that he's just making an ice rink what's up guys how are you i'm very good what a fucking entrance you've made now which are you guys pardon me pick of the fringe what are you looking for oh you need a drink this is not a bar uh what show are you guys looking for any show this show well come on in and take a seat no worries, brother. No pressure. It's already been going very well, and you arrived late, so really, you guys are the assholes. <laughs> so, what is your name? Ashank. Ashank. And what is your last name, Ashank? Ashank Sinha. Ashank Sinha? Sorry. He just, you look exactly like a friend of mine named Chris Delger to the point that when you walked in I was like Chris Delger? I didn't do it but now I need to say it to see if you do you have a friend do you have a relative named Chris Delger? Good. A bit of a coke head owes me 50 bucks. Now that's why I was excited he was here. I was like I'm going to finally get this money back. Now where was I? Oh yeah. So, so they spray down the streets. And then I went and asked all of my friends. I was staying with my friend Marnie, who is a very San Fr- like stereotypical San Francisco person. She is a uh, she's a lesbian woman living in Berkeley. She worked for the Canadian Embassy, making sure people that were in financial trouble, that were Canadian immigrants, were being taken care of. And I said, what the fuck is up with them spraying down the streets? And she was like, oh, that's not even the weirdest one. Check this out. So on um, Berkeley and Oakland are essentially the same city. They're just distinguished by an arbitrary line. One side is Berkeley, which I'm sure you guys have all heard of. Great university, amazingly educated place. Best farmer's market I've ever been to in my entire life. There was a guy who made a sweet potato hummus that he would not give me the recipe for, and he was just handing it out as a way to sell his sweet potatoes. And let me tell you, it was better than sex. And and I put my dick in a lot of dips. Now... (laughs) 
Uh, sometimes you say things just for yourself. And <laughs> now, Berkeley and Oakland are just, it's an arbitrary line. And how you can tell is on one side is a beautiful, amazing, lovely community. And the other side is literally half-poured concrete that's leaked over and the sidewalk is crumbling. And I was like, what the fuck is this, Marty? And she was like, so here's the thing. In the 80s, they figured out that it was cheaper to just not, um, to just sort of have it in one side and this be Oakland and that be Berkeley and just make sure that whenever anyone comes to the city of Oakland, they go to the borough of Berkeley and not to the city of Oakland proper so that that budget funding goes to just maintain the appearance and not the actual look of Oakland. And I was like, is that bad for the infrastructure of Oakland? And she said, indeed it is. <laughs> and it was, it was a fucking, and we, were, we lived actually within Oakland and it was very bizarre. If you come and see my other show, there's a story with that, which I won't tell, but I will tell you this. I went and did stand-up comedy one night at an open mic around the corner from where I was staying. Now it was a, uh, what's called a, an, in colloquial stand-up terms, an urban show, which is, basically means it's a predominantly black audience and the culture of those shows are very different to this you guys are all seated listening waiting for a laugh in those shows that is not the culture of it. the audience is as much a part of the show as you are in that if you're not funny in a second they start criticizing it's like glasgow comedy a little bit in that they are critical of you they are very vocal if you get a laugh i once was doing a, a show that was an urban show and i did a really good joke and a guy stood up at the back and started running around the room going this motherfucker's funny fuck yeah <laughs> Um, I had to follow, by the way, the comedy at some of these shows is shit. I had to follow a guy when that happened. I had to follow a guy who just sang the theme from Shaft. <laughs> like, that's, it's a good movie, but it's not a funny song. <laughs> Nobody loves him but his woman. I don't get it. Anyway, um, so I walk in, and it's called Dorsey's Locker. It's where the comedian Cat Williams started. And it was just me, a black guy in a trench coat. And it was not set up for comedy. It was a square bar. And they were all looking in, and the comedy was happening behind them. And then I walk in. Now, I am a straight white male, so I'm very rarely the only white person in a public sp space. I was the only white person in this room. And it was very interesting, because they all kind of looked at me with that, like, is it a cop kind of vibe? <laughs> And I was like, hey, I heard there's comedy. I'd like to do comedy. And they immediately were just like, mm, good, because they wanted to yell at a white guy. And the first guy goes on, and he was in a long trench coat. I'll never forget this. And he walked on stage. The mic stayed in the stand like this. And he put his hands in his trench coat, and he went, mm, my name is Clarence. I smoke weed. Who wants weed? And the bartender went, Clarence, stop trying to get weed from the audience. Tell a joke. <laughs> Clarence, undeterred by this heckler, just went, mm -hmm. I don't like being taught that way, especially when I don't have weed. So, hey, who's got weed? <laughs> Clarence, stop asking for weed. Get the fuck off stage. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting off stage. Until I get some weed. <laughs> and a, ga a guy, I don't know if he was in a gang, but he was wearing gang colors, uh, which was he was in, in all red. Um, and, uh, and you are warned in Oakland that there is a gang presence, so there's certain things you shouldn't do. For example, if you're wearing all blue, they tell you it's not the best idea. Just wear like blacks, greens, etc. So I was in 
uh, all black, and a guy in blue literally just tossed a bag at Clarence's feet. He picked it up and went, oh, thank you, and he left. <laughs> so I was next and was declared the headliner because there was only two acts that showed up for the open mic, and everyone turned their back. Obviously, they turned their back. They didn't know me. Clearly, Clarence had a relationship with all these people, and they enjoyed seeing him beg for weed. <laughs> And, uh, and there, was an, there was an old man in the front row, and he was my salvation, because he turned on his bar stool and he went, I'd like to see you be funny. And I said, thank you, sir. And I launched into talking about uh, the whole thing with homeless people being sprayed down and how San Francisco was fucked. I also told them of this interaction I had at the San Francisco airport. I walked up to a police officer. It's a trick when you travel. If you're not really exactly sure where to go, police at airports always know all of the public transit routes because they're usually on some sort of mobile patrol and have to monitor it. And I asked him, excuse me, how do I get to Oakland? And he said in progressive lefty San Francisco, Buddy, you don't want to go to Oakland. That's where San Francisco keeps its black people. And I was nervous. Not surprised, based on what's now transpired in the United States, based on my interaction with a San Francisco police officer who read me as a racist, or at least someone who's fine with that kind of humor, I just went, and he was just like, that train to that train to that train, and I took it. And I said that to them, and for some reason, the idea of a white person being told that, they erupted in this beautiful laugh, and they're like, yeah, man, fucking San Francisco's fuck, stay here in Oakland. It was very fun. I told a drug joke about doing mushrooms, and it was it erupted into this big sort of laugh and applause my buddy Marnie walked in at this point never being in there before in her life it was around the corner from her house and she just walked in and all she described was she just saw there was just an old man on a cane trundled over and handed me a shot and went that's for you cracker friend <laughs> and, and, and I said I don't appreciate you guys using that word I know some people are fine with it but can we remove racial stereotypes and then he responded by saying would you prefer I called you the n-word and i said no and guy i was listen i was ra- I, listen you guys can't tell but i'm canadian posh and i was raised by academics so i was made aware that you know homophobia evidently was fine but racism has been really drilled in my head there was a <laughs> listen we're all a complex people you know what i mean like my grandmother would never admit to being racist but she hated the jews I know how, see, the joke there is, is that they're technically not a race that would be actually discriminatory, and the entire audience understood that, so therefore the joke didn't work. But a lot of them also got uncomfortable based on the tone I used for the word Jews, so much so that woman's leaving. Pardon me? I need to get a train, sorry. Oh, that's interesting. Trying to leave without paying. It is, a, it is a great show, and it's almost done. There's a cup down there, and I want to hear the jingle changle of ca- uh, coins, or I'm taking your bandanas. You know what? That's a good point. Notes. Fat notes. <laughs> or, or I'm sending her from Baltimore over after you, and I've seen The Wire, and it'll get season four on your ass. <laughs> um, so as we wrap up, so uh, what brought you here 10 years ago? God hates me. God hates you? Yeah. He doesn't necessarily exist, so I don't think that that's possible. No. Very good. So what, what actually brought you from? I work in social care. You work in social care, so you came where the problem was. <laughs> From Baltimore, yeah. This is a bit too heavy. I'm going to go somewhere where the accents are cute to me. I was recruited. You were recruited. Um, one of the local councils in London. And you were in what part of London were you a? Central. Central. Yeah, so um, west and then east. And so Very good. When I had a real job and then when I, the new government came in, so then I had to go to east. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the Tory government may have slashed funding for social care within the United Kingdom? Uh, 
I'm so glad I'm sitting down, the shock of it at all. Oh yeah, we definitely need some social care in East London. There's some trust fund babies that are confused on why their macchiato isn't appropriately temperate. Uh, and now you're up here in Scotland. Yeah, doing a PhD. Doing a PhD. Fucking good luck. Thank you. It, uh, it fucking does. <laughs> Have anyone here done a PhD or a friend doing a PhD? My mom got a PhD uh, later in life, and my, my best friend is currently doing a PhD. I've never seen, like, have you guys seen Apocalypse Now? Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> the PhD is going up that fucking river to kill Colonel Kurtz, and you are Martin Sheen, just lying in your bed looking in the mirror going, the fucking horror, the horror. My mom is a very atypical older woman up early gardens for a year she would only be awake from 8 p.m till 9 a.m she subsisted on greek salad and red bull and she didn't like when people called her on the phone you had to email first yeah it's fucking it's exactly what i'm talking about you see what she's going it's insane because basically what you have to become is an expert on one thing and you're against a bunch of experts on that one thing and you have to beat them <laughs> and they have all the time in the world to research they've written their point and you either have to discredit them or fulfill it and if you don't they'll destroy you <laughs> and they fuck with you because they don't you have to make sure yeah see she it's it's i listen i at one time no problem. <laughs> I, I at one point thought about getting a master's in, 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 in drama or in, in writing because I actually really, listen, I look like a goon, but underneath me is just a man in a beret just going, you know, Dadaism truly is the influential voice. <laughs> like, you should see me walk into a museum. Docents are just like, what the fuck is this? Is there a football match being shown here? Um, but no, and I thought about a minute or two going into sort of more academia. I couldn't handle it. This would be me, year two of the PhD. Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! And then I would just burn a library down. That was me yesterday. Yeah, I'm sure it was. With the tequila. With the tequila? I was just First of all, tequila is not flammable enough. If you're going to light a building on fire and you want to use alcohol, brandy is probably your best bet. Some people would say rum, but you need a Caribbean-based uh, rum because the alcohol level has been reduced because of British laws. No, you've thought about doing it. Now... <laughs> It's it's a it's a noble. What's your PhD in? Uh, family reintegration strategies of military offenders. So it's probably a real positive exactly. outlook. A lot of hopeful images and interviews with people that are balanced and haven't been abandoned by the system at all. Yeah, it's really happy. Oh my God! Yeah, it just must be smiles and sunshine. Never once just meeting a heroin addict with eight kids and half a head. That's. Just, I understand that you guys felt uncomfortable about laughing that, but know that you all started laughing and then heard what I said and stopped. So you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. Now, uh, and, and who are you here with? Are you your, partner. your partner. And sir, what are you doing? Well, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I assume based on that answer, a PhD as well. No, he, he's dramatic about it. Yeah. He thinks he suffers. What do you do, brother? I work for cancer research. You work for cancer research? Yeah, he's not, again, he's not tiptoeing through the tulips either. <laughs> Wow, you two, if you both have a bad day, it's like a cure song in your flat, isn't it? <laughs> Just staring at various knives in the drawer. <laughs> Boys don't cry. Um, so you work in cancer research. In what, what aspect of cancer research? Uh, You're a web developer. <laughs> okay, uh, you need to add that because it just sounds like you're building a website for cancer. 
We're coming to get you. Man, this Tory government does not know how to spend money at all. And uh, and which uh, charity is it? Cancer research. Cancer research. Really, you guys really fucking thought hard on what to call it that. Cancer Research UK. That's important. You're not making sure the Americans still have cancer, right? You Brits. You'll never forgive them for that revolution, eh? And, uh, and what is it like dating an American? Do you find the cultural adjustment at all weird? Although you've been here 11 years, so you're as British as anyone. I've been here for five, and I'm way more fucking British than any... Pardon me? Here's the... Again, I need to point out, where are you from originally? London. London. So who created America and gave them the spirit and intrepidness that that nation holds? No. <laughs> they were all but wiped out by a certain group. Let's see if you can guess who they are. Incorrect. <laughs> Somewhat correct. Uh, it's very interesting. I, America is definitely a direct result of England. It's, it's, it's an evolution of your social mindset, what you guys want for the world. In the same way, Canada is a direct result of Scotland. No, it's not discussed, but Canada is new Scotland in every way. It's gotten a, it's a little bit more right-wing, and we like burning stuff a little bit more than you guys. Like, Scotland is amazing in that you look at it, and you're like, this has got to be a right-wing stronghold, and then someone's like, just like a builder working on a building site. Just remember, guys, it's everyone's ability up to their means, and we all share the money. Here, here, Karl Marx. Now let's get drunk and start a fight. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's why it's the most amazing thing where you just like st- walk out of a pub. I don't care what you fucking say. The NHS should be protected. Now stab me with a bottle and we'll get repaired for free. <laughs> and that, and that's, that's, the, that's the Britain that I moved into sort of six years ago. I came the day before the Olympics. And it was, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. Because Britain that was six years ago is not the Britain that is now like before the Olympics you remember this island everyone was happy things were slightly cleaner you guys didn't think that immigrants ruined the health service it was an amazing time oh I would <laughs> oh it must have been great blur was popular everyone everyone was cool with liking Oasis what a time <laughs> But it was amazing, and it's been very interesting to watch the shift in the last five years because I, unlike a lot of you, I don't stay in the, in London. I have to go to different cities every weekend, and you see the shift, and you see the change, and you see a lot of the like the American influence really coming in. Like time was, there wasn't shopping centers everywhere. They, everything was ma and pa. People were still out and about, and now it's really become just sort of in the vein of San Francisco. There's condos, and again, I'm not one of these people that's like fuck gentrification. I will go to a vinyl cafe as much as the next gal. Pardon me, you just opened a cafe where I can pet puppies and it's 15 pounds entry? I will give you 20 if I can have a table that is not seen from the outside and all of them give me kisses. Like, I'm not... I'm not here. It's just a very interesting shift and I think that Brexit was a big moment in time for this nation. I hated it more than I think anyone else because I've lived here for five years. I'm very much part of the tapestry. I've paid my taxes and I wasn't allowed to vote and then one day a bunch of people just made a decision for me that I didn't agree with and I didn't get to say anything and I wanted to. I tried to go. I didn't have the right ID. Being Canadian, you can't vote in those types of elections. It's a weird fucking loophole and it drives me fucking crazy that it's still fucking happening and even this morning, the Labour Party has just said, well, what we're actually now in favor of is a one market system and open borders in a way to try and move the negotiations into a way that the, Euro- that, you know, the European Union doesn't just stamp on Britain to make sure that no other country leaves. And I'm really fucking terrified. And you know what? 
I have an advantage that none of you have, which is a passport to another country. So when shit gets really bad, guess where I'll be? Back in Canada, laughing at you. <laughs> and it makes me feel bad to say that because my career is better for coming here. My life is better for coming here. But you all fucked me. So now fuck you. You'll be fine. Where the fuck am I supposed to go? Trump will be dead within the year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, listen, listen. Yeah, and you all, oh, watch how long that fucking guy lasts. Welfare cannot exist even for troop support. Motherfucker, you're going to take away a well-armed public's support? Let's see how quickly you last. Because here's the thing with America. You guys have needed a revolution for a bit and it's bubbling up and it's going to happen and it's going to be one of two ways where it's either going to excel and America will return to that America that we hear about in stories that never actually really was or it's going to be Venezuela of the 2020s in that, you know, it's just going to be on fire. And as a Canadian, I have two thoughts about it. One, we won't have to pay for heating because that fire will heat our country. Two... It, 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 it does bother me because as much as there's this whole idea of Americans and Canadians oh we hate each other we're essentially the same we've got pricks too we just don't let them travel <laughs> and, and again by the way America left the Paris Accords Canada is on probationary entry into the Paris Accords and by the way was kicked out of the Kyoto Protocol here's why Canada is the biggest polluter in North America. Who are some other countries in North America? Mexico and America. How the fuck is Canada the biggest polluter? Because we invented fracking and we've tried it. Even where we know there isn't oil, we just like to blow up rocks. <laughs> and that's why I think the world's very interesting. I, uh, I wish I was ending on a more hopeful message. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm really happy you guys are my audience. At the, uh, the end of the show, you have to give me money. They've, they've used up my allotment for coins. So unfortunately, you guys now have to give me bills. <laughs> now, I don't know if you guys know this, but the, the, the ink on a five-pound note is actually very bad for your skin. So it's got to be 10 pounds, guys. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for another show to see, I'm doing another show at The Pleasants. It's Sunday, so it will be also fucking amazing. Come to that. I'm also doing Monday, so if you're looking for nothing, something to do tomorrow, I'm also doing a show there. There's a flyer back there. Thank you for being my last crowd. You were fantastic. Remember, everyone, palms moisturizer so you can look like these two fucking babes. <laughs> Thank you very much.